right. Hello, everyone. Cole here from Aggressor Adventures. I hope everyone's doing good on this Tuesday. Thank you for joining us for episode five of our uh, Zoom into Adventure series. Today, we are fortunate to have Les Stroud with us, best known as the award-winning producer, creator, director, and star of the hit TV series Survivor Man. Les Stroud is the only producer in the history of television to produce an internationally broadcast series entirely written, videotaped, and hosted alone. With Les credited as the original genre creator of Survival TV, Survivor Man is one of the highest rated repeat shows on the Discovery Channel. So Les, how are you doing today? Let me unmute you. How are you? <laughs> good. I'm, I'm, I'm really good, Cole. Thanks a lot for this. Yeah. Where are you call calling from? Well, right now I'm, I'm uh, in, in uh, Southern Oregon, just sort of north of the California border. And, and uh, like everybody else, just kind of, uh, you know, I'm getting, let me just put it this way. I'm getting a lot of gardening done. <laughs> I'm sure it's an interesting time. So um, why don't you tell us a little bit about uh, how you, where you grew up and a little bit how you got into what you got into. Yeah, I mean, my, my, a lot of my background is, is pretty, uh, um, how would, I, how would I put it? Almost understated, I think, in many ways. I think, I think the cliche would be great if I could just say I was raised by wolves uh, and everybody would be probably like, wow, so cool. And they'd walk away. But the truth is, you know, I was raised in the western suburb of uh, Toronto up in Canada and, you know, born and bred on the, on the TV of the 70s and all of that. And, and um, uh, but um, even, you know, I won't say because of, but maybe in spite of that background, uh, I always had a really strong yearning for nature. I just loved it on television. I love Jacques Cousteau. I love Tarzan movies. I love uh, Wild Kingdom. You know, anything I could get that had to do with uh, with nature, and uh, so that's that's my my childhood background. I mean, and, you know, from there on in, it's it's a lifetime of trying to get close to nature in any way I can, but falling in love with music at the same time. And, and most people uh, at this point uh, uh, would recognize me, if they recognize me, would recognize me as uh, Survivor Man, uh, which is a long running series on, on uh, uh, well, internationally. Great. So, so how, did, how did that get about? How did you decide that you wanted to make a, a new genre of TV? Well, I mean, I didn't decide I want to make a new genre of television. Uh, that's one of those weird zeitgeist moments that just, that no one can ever plan on. Uh, I'll I'll digress for a second and say it's like it's like when people try to make a YouTube video go viral, you know, and a marketing agency says we want to make a viral video, they haven't got a clue what they're talking about because you can't make something like that happen. You can't you can't adjust an, um, the direction of an artistic genre on purpose. And so really these things have to come out of a place, a motivational place of, of truism, of, of reality, of desire that's, that's got some kind of karma that's just good, you know, I, at least you, you would hope. In my case, I just want, I, I, I at some point started taking survival courses and, and uh, this is, I mean, this is going back into the day when it was like VHS tapes. And I just wanted to make some home videotapes. I wanted to make uh, instruction for, about survival. Um, and then, you know, I continued teaching it and years went by and, and, uh, and uh, I started doing some, you know, documentary films. And before you knew it, I found myself calling a television network saying, you know, I have this idea. And quite frankly, uh, you know, I, I mean, in the beginning, I was laughed at. I was mocked. I was told, quote unquote, uh, I was told less, no one is ever going to want to watch somebody survive in the bush on television. 
quote unquote. And uh, she's no longer working for that network. I might have. <laughs> uh, but you know, I was undaunted. And next thing you know, I got it on television as a pilot and it hit, it struck a chord, it took off. And, uh, you know, there's about a year, 18 months there where it was just Survivor Man was blazing a trail and that's when everybody else caught on and uh, people smelled money and, and uh, the rest, as they say, is kind of is history. So tell me, how did you, how did you, how did that first season go? Like, how did the, the pilot series go where you were, did you pick a destination you wanted to go to? I'm imagining you carrying, what, what year is this we're talking? So we're talking 1999 and... Um, uh, 2000, uh, so it's the year 2000, I guess. And uh, what I did was I did it as a pilot. I mean, everybody knows that that term, pilot. You know, so that just simply means you do one off, a one off example of what you think the show can look like, and what, and then you tell everybody, you know, I can do, you know, 30 of these or whatever. That because that's when it becomes a series. So I did, I did one for a small, um, uh, or I did a small one for a Canadian network, but it was a major Canadian network, and uh, it it one just one episode and it hit and then i did a second one and they loved it and that's when i started um uh you know shopping around as a series and then once i got it as a series i mean this is uh sorry my cat is is my cat may jump up in front of the camera right now just so you know i'm warning you because she's showing signs that she wants some snuggling uh it, you, you have to everything has humble beginnings you know you know really i mean I've always loved the, the, the reality that there's no such thing as an overnight success, even for the most part to the, for the cheesiest ideas. There's just no such thing as an overnight success. You, you begin slowly, you build, you build. You can look back on it with hindsight and go, oh, I, I see how it happened, but there's nothing overnight about it. So bit by bit, you know, time goes by. And now, I'm, now I have a contract for a little tiny bit of money to produce uh, 10 episodes in Canada. And while I was producing them, I was still talking to American television and they said, hey, this, this, we like this, let's, let's give it a chance, let's give it a shot, you know? And so they, they jumped in halfway through the production of those 10 episodes and, and uh, it was the Science Channel in, in the United States and owned by Discovery Channel. And they put it on. So, I mean, it's, it's very, it was very, it was just me out there literally getting myself someplace, renting a, a Jeep, driving off into the bush, heading out with my cameras, filming the survival. I mean, I would have done maybe some training, maybe a local person would teach me at first. Mm -hmm. And then uh, I've gone for seven days to film myself doing the survival, come back. And there was just enough money to hire, a, a, I was editing before this, but to hire a separate editor to help me edit the episodes. And, and uh, yeah, very humble beginnings to be sure. Sure. I, I picture you walking through the bush with like these tripods and big cameras from the 90s. How has it changed over the years? With the technology is it I'm oh, much easier? Yeah. Massively, massively. Um, in fact, I think sometimes it's underestimated how much uh, technology uh, comes to the rescue of an idea. You know, and whereas, you know, I mean, I had this idea years before, but couldn't make it happen. Well, why not? Because cameras were big and expensive and production and editing was big and expensive. So the thing that changed right around that year of 2000 was, well, basically it was the Sony VX1000. It was this little camera that shot on high eight 
but its quality was like some notches below what was called a Sony beta cam. And this was a big shoulder mount camera, which I used to film because I was a cameraman and an editor for other things. And so you'd film with this big, massive, heavy shoulder. You could never go out and do Survivor Man with that. Right. Uh, but then all of a sudden, there's a Sony VX1000 and, and these little cameras for, with high eight tape. But they weren't broadcast quality. And um, so I, that, that changed everything because the camera was small enough. I could take it out and I could film the stuff. Now you say, well, well, hang on, but they weren't broadcast quality last. How'd you get them on TV then? I lied. Simple as that. I lied. I just, I just, I did, you know, oh, what are you shooting this? Uh, I'm shooting it with a Sony Betacam. Because you know what? I was convinced that it was not about the technology. It was not about the quality of, of, the, of the, the, the footage. Well, of course, now I'm, you know, very, uh, I'm a, what would you call it? A perfectionist when it comes to that now. But I was convinced that, as it always is, content is king. And I thought these stories that I could film out there, the content would be so rich, it wouldn't matter what camera they were shot on. And I was right. And, and I would film it and I would deliver the, the, the footage and I wouldn't tell them. And I would cross my fingers and hope that the quality control guy would miss it, that he wouldn't run it on the scope and say, wait a minute, up with our blah, 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 right? I literally did that and they, they missed it. And then it was a hit. And somewhere in the middle of the first season, I remember getting a quality uh, email from quality control saying, we can't accept this. You're clearly using more because you were allowed to use like 10% of non-broadcast quality cameras in a television show. Everything else had to be the big camera. Mm -hmm. And uh, I remember, you can tell I never get to tell this story. That's why I'm having fun telling it. <laughs> I got this quality control e email from Discovery Channel quality control saying, you, you know, we can't accept this show. Well, it was, this was um, actually, I guess it was season two. So it was already hit. So I called up the executive producer and I said, you know, here's the show. And they watched the show and it was, you know, me in the jungle somewhere in, in, in Costa Rica surviving. And they're like, yeah, don't worry about it. Just deliver it. And so from then on in, I knew the quality control guy did not have the power that he thought he had. He or she thought they had. And after that, but, but then just to, to short form this, the rest of this uh, long answer is to say that from that day forward, technology with GoPros and small cameras, now then drones. I was on, I will say I was on the cutting edge of that step by step. Every time I saw a new camera, I'd run out, check it out. Oh, it's smaller and it's high quality. And yeah, it's, it saved my butt because Survivor Man could never have been produced in 1998 but it could in the year 2000 and wow. 2001. So that, that technology changed everything for me. That is very cool. Uh, I'm gonna go ahead and ask them some of these questions that are uh, coming in that are relevant to the TV show. Yeah. Do you have one specific uh, destination that you really enjoyed more than the others filming for the show? Oh, I'm still a slave to my love of the jungle. Uh, I love going to jungles, especially the Amazon jungle. Uh, I know uh, with uh, the, um, the new trip that we're, we're an adventure that we're lining up with uh, aggressor uh, is is uh, is in Costa Rica, which is called the Little Amazon. Um, I'm a real. I just do love the jungles. But that said, if I had to pick two others, so my top three would be certainly the deep dark jungles, the high Canadian Arctic, and the um, the Utah Canyonlands, and a not very distant fourth would be the high Andes of Peru. So those four uh, always roll off my tongue well because. 
they're really breathtaking. You know, I, I, you know, the jungle is awe-inspiring. The Arctic is breathtaking. The Utah Canyonlands are mystical, and the the Peruvian high Andes are, are just they're just jaw dropping. So uh, those those four are my favorites for sure. Okay, and and you know, we talked a little bit about how the the uh, technology evolved. Does the, has the show evolved, or is it still you solo out in these? Well, to be sure, to be honest with you, I haven't produced an episode since two thousand and. 18 okay was the last time i produced an actual episode um because i also produced the beyond survival series which uh my greatest uh best ratings ever and that will be coming out again actually soon on american public television or on, on, on public television and uh then i did survive man bigfoot uh, i did shark week many many other uh, just a new documentary called lalash so survivor man has been going since 2001 professionally and 2017 years of, of doing it. Has it changed over the years? Absolutely not. The, 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 the MO that worked for me on the very last episode, even though that was a survivor man and son. So I took my son out with me from cool. that to the very first one I ever shot alone, still the same. You got to, I had to get out there. I had to survive and I had to film it and that's it. And I, I, I didn't mess with that formula of success. Interesting. And now that question I had originally asked, like, what was your favorite? It was also a two-part. Two what would you say was the most difficult place you had to, considering the, uh, the surroundings and environment that you had to So shoot? my answer to that question is never based on geography. Um, there's not a, sure, some geography is a little tougher than others, but that's not it. Survival is all based on temperature. And that is either it's cold or it's not. When it's not cold... I have forgiveness time. When it's cold, I cannot stop moving. I cannot stop surviving. So if it's gonna be below zero, it's gonna be difficult. That's, that's what I put it down to. I don't care where you put me, just tell me what the temperature's gonna be. Wow. Okay, um, so, so we know that you've uh, traveled a good bit with Aggressor. Why don't you tell us a little bit about how you got into scuba diving and how you got into traveling with Aggressor? Well, my story for getting into scuba diving is, is Perhaps not the, uh, the greatest story to tell, um, but I don't mind telling it anyway, because everybody has their ways of getting into the, the love of scuba diving. And, and uh, um, it was uh, a period of time where you know, I was riding high with Survivor Man. I was doing all kinds of guest appearances. Things were going great. And I got a phone call and uh, the, um, the network is on the phone with me and they say, hey, Les, do you dive? And I, and I knew what, what was going to be asked next of me, which I wanted to do. So I said, yeah, oh yeah, I dive. And they said, great, because we'd like to consider you for hosting Shark Week this year. And I said, oh, fantastic. Oh, when are you thinking? And so on and so on. So I hung up the phone call and I immediately called a friend of mine and said, quick, how quick can I learn to dive? <laughs> so I didn't have a clue on how to, and, but I wanted to, I've always wanted to dive ever since the days of Jacques Cousteau. Little, I was a little fearful of it. I'd heard stories of, of, you know, um, claustrophobic feelings and this and that. And I was a little nervous and I went down to Toronto and I learned with a, a guy named Norbert, uh, at, uh, Aquasub phenomenal instructor, you know, one of these guys with 15,000 dives and he used to dive for the Polish army, that kind of guy, big burly guy who, takes three seconds to put on his gear and he's under the, you know, now he's in the water and down before anything's going on. Um, and so I went down and I learned, I did my pool session, uh, discovered that a lot of the fear I had was, was uh, nothing at all to, that was quickly dispelled, quickly dispelled. 
And uh, I took, I convinced them uh, to allow me to bring him down. <clears throat> and I actually did my open water dive the day before my shoot with Discovery Channel. This whole time, they don't even know this is going on. They haven't got a clue, right? They're thinking, oh, Les knows how to dive. Of course, he is. He's Survivor Man. I'm sure he's a good diver. And I'm down there going, oh my God, it was my open dive. Ah. And so I go down, I do my open water. And then the next day, I'm literally 60 feet down filming with sharks. And, and just like mums the word. If you ever see that episode, I'm sure of Shark Week, I'm sure I look like such a dweeb. You know, I don't know how to keep my buoyancy. I don't know, I'm supposed, I'm feeding sharks. I'm like, oh yeah, this is, but I, I was so in love with diving already so instantly that the, my, there was no fear level. There was my, I had, I had uh, my instructor was there, you know, watching me every, it was all, so, so there wasn't, it wasn't as dangerous as I'm making it sound. There was lots of backup and protection. It's just that the network didn't have a clue you know, and, um, and I just wanted to dive and this was my ticket. Well, after that, I was bitten by the bug and I've been diving ever since. Make it till you make it sometimes, right? <laughs> yeah, well, yeah, but safely. So, I mean, let's just, I will say, I had a incredible dive master with me every inch of the way. So I never just, I never took a chance. In fact, I became quite uh, pet peeved about, you know, when I would be doing shark weeks with people who were taking chances and, and I, and I didn't like it at all. You know, the, I saw lots of lacking in safety and that was not me. The thing about me and survival and everything I do is I'm not adrenaline junkie at all. In fact, I'm really boring because I, I'm, I do everything so safely. You know, that's what Survivor Man was all about. Do things the right way and do it safely so that you don't have to enlist the help of adrenaline, you know, to get out of something. So, and uh, yeah, I've been diving ever since. And along the way, this connection to aggressor um, just sort of happened. It was like, you know, maybe I could come on board and be a, a guest, you know, sort of celebrity dive kind of guy. And that's, that's where the conversation started. And we've been doing this together ever since. Yeah, we always get a lot of great reviews after your trip, and um, a lot. One thing that's point out that I would, surprised me was um, how much people enjoyed hearing you not only tell your stories but also play guitar and, and sing songs that you've originally written. So, well, yeah, you know, I mean, I was an outdoor guide for a long time, guiding canoe trips and hiking and sea kayaking and dog sledding and winter camping and snowshoeing, you name it. And I learned that you know, being multifaceted as a guide is a wonderful thing rather than being a one trick pony. Like I'm a great whitewater kayaker. I'm going to teach you, you know, that's it. It's like, you got to have more, you know? And so when the aggressor opportunity opened up to me, I wanted to bring everything that I have. Well, I'm, it's, it's, you know, seven to whatever, nine days together with a bunch of people, uh, you know, I can't, my, my performing ego never really stops. I can't just sit there and tell stories at the dinner table, which I do every night. But I also, I asked a guy, I said, would you mind if I did the presentation? They said, nope. So I do presentations and I show some video and tell these stories. And then would you mind if I played a bit, brought my guitar? Nope. So I brought my guitar and, and we've had some impromptu concerts and, and uh, along the way. And, and um, you know, but I always, it's funny when we do the introductions, I always say, if you don't want me to do anything, I'll just dive with you. I'm happy to just be here, but people usually say, sure, tell some stories or whatever, and we're off to the races. They're really, really wonderful trips. I, I hope anyway, I think so. Yeah, I, well, I definitely agree. I know that sounds uh, biased. <laughs> well, um, let's take another question. So um, one of our uh, great friends here at Aggressor, John Michaels, he's the one that has written our, um, our Aggressor theme song, um, said he was in Sri Lanka just like you, 
He said that his favorite part was climbing up Sigaria Rock. What was Les's favorite part of Sri Lanka? First of all, why are we letting John ask a question? John, I know John. John, you weasel, you got in there. You're lucky. Could you just ask me this by text? All right, but I'll answer it anyway. Uh, for me, I will. Uh, wow, Sri Lanka was amazing, but this might sound simple, but it's not. But that that lunch that we had at that stop at this sort of family kind of run restaurant was one of the most mind blowing meals I've ever had in my life. I know that's oh, it's just a meal. Oh no, it was not just a meal. Uh, the food in Sri Lanka was oh, mind blowing. That's all I can say. Fantastic. I really loved stopping uh, at the restaurant. Um, I love my wildlife. So the the park uh, we climbed the rock, which was you know from a it was just beautiful, but going in and uh, watching the elephants and the bird life on the, uh, the safaris, yeah, it's really special. It's, it's, it's the kind of adventure that if done wrong, you know, you, you'd think, oh, you, you just aren't going to have, you're just going to know it's done wrong. But boy, everything was done right. Every day was, and I'm critical on stuff like that because I'm a guide. You know, that's really what I've been all my life as a guide and a teacher. And every day uh, we had something beautiful to see and some great experience to have. So. Did you happen to see uh, leopards on your trip? They're the most elusive thing. We got really lucky. Uh, we saw uh, uh, leopards a couple of times. Uh, our, our driver uh, in that, it's funny, you know, one of the things that happens, and, I, and I've done tons of naturalist uh, walks and talks and and guided naturalist guided tours and so on in my neck of the woods and places I know. And, and so the guide really matters. And, 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 and they've got some wonderful guides there at the Safari Lodge. And the guy we had went out of his way. Like we really busted a butt to try to see a leopard. And he just had an instinct that was so great. And he's like, stop right here. It's gonna come out around the corner. And, and uh, because we spotted one in the bush or something and sure enough, it would just come right. At, so we had leopards come right across in front of us. Really special. That is awesome. Um, so what, what other destinations have you been to um, with Aggressor? Wow, oh, you're taxing my memory a lot. You know, Cocos, uh, um, oh man, Ecuador, Maldives. Galapagos, um, Maldives, uh, right? Maldives uh, Palau, um, Sri Lanka now, of course. Um, yeah, uh, all of the, uh, the Caymans and the Bahamas dives. Um, yeah, it sort of, yeah, goes on and on. I've done quite a few. Um, and the thing is about diving with aggressor is, uh, it's one of those things that you might have a perception on the outside if you've never done it, but once you, you get in on the inside, the perception, whatever perceptions you have, it's all erased and you realize it's a really special opportunity. Uh, you know, there, there's 20, 20, two people, 18 people, 16 people, 24, whichever, depending on the boat. You can have your privacy if you want it. You can have your solitude if you want it. You can enjoy the group camaraderie if you want it. The diving's incredibly safe. And every, everybody's on point. Um, I didn't know that's what it was going to be like. I really didn't. You know, it's like, kind of sounds, you know, oh, I'm diving on a liveaboard. You know, it's like, oh, really? We're diving on a liveaboard this week. It sounds like that. But you get on there and you realize, man, this is just awesome. Yeah, it's so, yeah, yeah it's still, still one of the, my most look forward to experiences in life. 
I, yeah, I couldn't agree more. The, the, uh, the camaraderie that you get is one thing that you forget about. You're, you're going to have great diving. You have great food. Uh, and you're right. You can, you can, you can be recluse or you can be social, uh, different spots on the boat, but the, uh, the, the camaraderie you get with not only the, uh, the, the guests you meet that are also fabulous, uh, you know, diving, um, junkies, you also meet the crew that are really hardworking and, um, that are there that are making sure you're having a great time. Couldn't agree more. Um, so let's see. Uh, so why don't you tell us a little bit more about uh, the Costa Rica thing we're going to be right. doing. Right. So Wayne Brown and I uh, have had been chatting, and we got the chance to meet uh, on board the Wine Appreciation Cruise, which was awesome because I, I appreciate wine. <laughs> and uh, very obviously at the end of the day, everybody. Uh, and uh, we got to talking, and the thing is, I've – led so many trips um, and uh, certainly as survivor man, I've had the opportunity to travel around the world. And for a long time, I've been thinking, you know, as survivor man, as Les Stroud, the explorer, adventurer, if you will, I, I, I kind of want to get back to some guiding. I want to get back to hanging out with a, a smallish group of people and taking them to show them what I've seen. You know, it's one thing I've learned, you know, I think people think I'm the king of the solo adventuring, but in the end, uh, I've almost kind of never really enjoyed that. I'm a gregarious individual. I like, I don't, I don't do enjoyment uh, adventuring by myself ever. I always want to be with somebody. I always want to share. That's the best part of being an adventurer and doing these things is, is sharing. And so uh, Wayne and I got to talking about, you know, I already have a great relationship with aggressor. This is not going to stop. I'd like to do more. I want to continue doing more. Hey, but what about if we did uh, something land-based? What if, uh, as Les Stroud, I took people, okay, well, where? Well, you know, I sure love the jungle. And yeah, I kind of really love Costa Rica. Oh, really? And that got us, led us down this path where we've now designed this uh, adventure, uh, adventuring with Les Stroud, if you will, um, at where I can slip in under the uh, wonderful umbrella of aggressor adventures and and um, and the the um, the logistical mastering of someone like Wayne Brown and his team, and say, okay, you guys get all that going, I'll show up and be me, and we'll do this in Costa Rica, and let's take them out into the jungle, let's take them on this trek, on that trek. Um, I've been to Costa Rica several times, um, and I'm deeply in love with it, and uh, and I'm I'm. I'm a lay naturalist there. I'm not, you know, obviously the people who are there are far superior to me, but they'll be there too. And uh, so we designed this so that we could have a tremendous uh, adventure in Costa Rica led by me. And hopefully, you know, people can see that, that um, I love telling my stories. I love being gregarious. I'm, I'm, you know, happy to be the last one at the dinner table, can, you know, answering questions. So, uh, and that's, that's what the, uh, Costa Rica will be like. It'll be, uh, you know, I'm not sure how long we're doing it for just yet. Let's call it a week, but it'll be a week of adventuring and stories. Awesome. Right. Let's see if we got any more questions coming in right here. I just posted everyone uh, into the chat uh, a link that has all the details with this adventure, with Adventures with Les Stroud. So it's a seven-night, six-day adventure exploring Costa Rica from... Copa D Arbol Beach and Rainforest Resort. I hear it's really great, um, uh, and it's going to be a really cool trip. Um, so definitely want to check out for that. Um, so yeah, so uh, uh, someone wants to ask some more questions about uh, about your music. So um, where can we hear your music at? Is there any? 
Yeah, well, I mean, this whole um, current situation that we're dealing with uh, has me, um, in fact, after I get off of this, I'll go right back to tons of organizing, organizing for YouTube, organizing all my online stuff and my music. And it's been great, actually. I'm lining everything up. I have 25 hard drives sitting on my kitchen table right now, and I'm doing all this myself uh, rather than someone at my office doing it. So I've got a handle on it. Musically speaking, I have seven CDs that I've recorded and I'm reorganizing all, it's all on Spotify. You can go on Spotify right now and all my music is there and please uh, subscribe to my, my Spotify channel. Uh, just look up Les Stroud. There's also Les Stroud and the Campfire Kings and Les Stroud and the Pikes. And uh, um, I don't want to flatter myself, but think of it like how Neil Young had Crazy Horse and Neil Young, you know, same sort of thing. I have other projects. Um, so Les Stroud, Les Stroud and the Campfire Kings, Les Stroud and the Pikes. Um, that's all on Spotify. Those are my albums. And I have probably another 40 songs right now I've recorded in the last 18 months that are now being mixed. And I will keep releasing them. I was already doing online concerts uh, and already pulling back from live shows. Uh, I really uh, uh, just adore performing live, but in this day and age, it's hard to put bums in seats. It's hard to put bums in seats if you're a known musical entity, but if you're that survival guy, it's, it's, it's even trickier. Strangely enough, I could probably get people to come to a keynote speaking engagement, but getting them out to a concert is tough. So I was doing lots of concerts online and I will start to uh, fire up some more of those. So Line, go to Spotify. Uh, you can go to my website, uh, lestroud.ca, and download the hard copy of the CDs. Uh, and this year, I'm going to be releasing finally. But I don't, can you guys hear the hounds in the background that are barking? Because I've got hounds up there, there and they only start barking when a siren goes by, even though I'm in the country. Anyway, I digress. I've got a brand new double vinyl album that I'm releasing, 10 year long project of my mother called Mother Earth. And it's my Mother Earth project, and I'm releasing it as a double vinyl album this year. It is on Spotify already. Uh, it features Slash, it features Steve Vai, saxophonist Mindy Abair. Uh, and um, so I'll be releasing that. And yeah, so music, music, I, you know, I, I'll just keep going. That sounds great. Do you have any other uh, upcoming projects, future projects besides music or Investor Safari that? Yeah, talk. you know, I mean, I'm a busy guy. So we have the the Aggressor Adventure with Les Stroud in Costa Rica. Uh, and we have the new album that I've just spoken about. In the meantime, I've written a new book. Uh, it's a children's book called Wild Outside, The Adventures of Survivor Man sure. for uh, 9 to 12-year-olds on Anik Press in Toronto. That'll be coming out in 20, 2021. And uh, cinematically, uh, I will be uh, releasing, uh, I'm releasing constantly on youtube right now if you go to my youtube channel survivor man dash les stroud constantly new stuff and archive stuff for the sake of all of our sheltering in place situation and being stuck with the the current state of affairs i'm releasing lots of material online for people and uh but i'm producing a brand new series called wild harvest for uh public television and it's all about local foraging so it's like gathering milkweed and cattail and mint and but it's not about survival. I bring it into the kitchen and Chef Paul Rogalski turns it into an amazing, sumptuous meal. So uh, it's about really enjoying the culinary experience of local foraging. Uh, and you've got me showing you how to forage, Paul showing you how to deal with it in the kitchen. And I'm producing a 90 minute special called Surviving Disasters with Les Stroud, also for public television. Um, and 
both of these shows could not be better timed because the disaster situation, it will include a, a section on pandemics. So uh, go figure, perfect timing on that one. I'm working with FEMA and all sorts of agencies to, to produce that. And then the wild harvest, uh, a lot of people have grown very interested in supplementing their own food source sources with uh, knowledge uh, of local sources. So uh, those two series will be coming out. So series, a special, book, an album, the adventure. Uh, I'm sure I'll be on another dive trip, hopefully with Wayne. Uh, and uh, yeah, that's my busy time this year. Very busy. And speaking of another dive, uh... We have the owner of the Philippines Aggressor, Aaron Lerman, on with us, and he's going to be uh, uh, our next Zoom call on Thursday. He said, uh, very, much, look, very much look forward to having you join us on uh, an upcoming cruise in the Philippines. Uh, but, it's on the Philippines, yeah. In fact, not, not only is that one on the to-do list, that actually, I think, was, is on the top right now. I'm pretty confident I was about to go, uh, so Wayne... I think the next dive should be the Philippines. Um, that's how I that's how I approach it, very sheepishly, just to make sure I get to go yeah. where I would like to go. But these these dive def destinations, and I don't want to sound like a, a someone, you know, hawking for the company or anything like that. I have to say, as I said, I fell in love with liveaboard diving. Uh, my daughter, my son, their friends, I got them certified. Um, my wife, everyone that I connect with that is into diving. Um, I always say you need to go on an aggressor liverboard. Trust me, you will be blown away. It's probably not what you think, and I guarantee you, it's a hundred times better than what you think. So, so uh, it's been my passion, and I and I do not. You know what's great about diving, and everyone knows this. Here's the thing: clearly, I live a, a, a prolific. I try to live a prolific lifestyle with a lot of creation and a lot of artistic endeavors. But the second I splash beneath that surface. It just goes, yeah. and you have that. And all you hear is your breathing. And it's still one of the greatest feelings in the world to hit, go beneath those waves and know for the next 30 to 40 minutes, you're just lost in this floaty world, flying, if you will. And that is still what I, what I love about it, big time. Awesome. Uh, so, guys, we're gonna, about to wrap it up. So, if you have any more last-minute questions, throw them in the chat box. Um, we do have one more question here. Um, they wanted to see, did your kids uh, – you mentioned your son went on one of your trips. Did they catch the adventure bug with you? Yeah, I would suggest they did. They don't, I mean, and thankfully, they don't try to copy me or be me or anything like that. They do it their way, as, as you would figure. I mean, they're, they're 22 and 24 now. My daughter is, a, is a, an athlete going – dangerously close to the Olympics at this point. She's, she's sighted there for triathlon. And my son is a, a smoke is headed towards being a smoke jumper. He's a wildfire fighter, but both of them love the adventuring. Um, they both have the travel bug when they were 11 and 12, I would bring them with me and I would let, I would have them not let them. I would make them go to the counter with their passport by themselves to book, to, to, to get their plane ticket so that they would become so comfortable with that process. And I'll tell you that paid off because years later when they, I would fly them with to, to meet me somewhere uh, for an adventure because I was already there or something like that, they could do it at 17 and 16 years of age. They could just go and do it. And they were confident. So yeah, even that part of the adventuring, they, they got that bug and they know what they're doing. And, and uh, to this day, they, they adventure big time. That's great. 
Um, did, have you ever had any uh, emergencies where you, you had to evacuate or call for help or anything like that? Not me, no. I haven't. Um, but uh, in the episode in season two or three in Labrador, when I was with the dog team, I, I heard the snowmobile coming. <laughs> and I'm like 50 miles from, from anybody. And uh, it was my crew, and, and, and I don't have a crew with me. They stay back 50 miles away getting beauty shots, as we call them. Yeah. And they said, uh, uh, I'm sorry, I, I, sorry, I'm screwing this up. It wasn't a sound snowmobile, it was a chopper. And the helicopter lands, and out come, pops the paramedic, and he says, we have to evacuate you. And I'm like, why? I'm doing fine. It was like day five. I was making a shelter. I'm filming. The ocean had, we, they had, had so much rain that the ocean was covered with six feet of water. We couldn't snowmobile out of there once I was finished filming. So I was evacuated by Chopper because of my crew, not because of me. I was doing just fine. There's been a couple of times I've left on the evening of day six because I was so dehydrated. that It was like, you know, what's enough? Enough's enough. So if you call that bailing it, bailing then sure but but again my point was never to prove i could do seven days or to you know or anything like that i did episodes that were three days and episodes that were 10 days and everything in between my point was tell, teaching the story of survival within a given ecosystem it was never about uh, an amount of days and in fact if me leaving because of dehydration is part of the story of the of survival then then it's one that i should tell and that's why i never shied from it okay I think that's it. Do you have any uh, last pitch you want to show uh, or throw out there for the Costa Rica trip? I've just threw the link back up there in the chat box, guys. No, I think that, that um, uh, because I'd like to share this video also with my fan base and, and, and people on my social media and that. And so if they, they, when they hear this, I think probably the people that, uh, that are here with us right now are, are already avid divers and lovers of diving and they get it. They don't have to be convinced of anything. They, they know what we're talking about. But for anyone who does see this, uh, understand that that any adventuring I do, I, uh, I bring all of my passion to it. Uh, I can be tired and jet lagged. I can even be grumpy. But once we we get, you know, we step foot on a trail or put on our, our uh, BCD or anything like that, it's all passion for me. So so I don't want to sound like I'm do, uh, uh, doing a commercial here or anything like that, uh, but it's because it's a lot different. It's about adventuring together. And uh, I've been really proud to adventure together with, it, with, uh, with Aggressor for a number of years now. I want to say eight or 10 at this point. And, uh, and I don't plan on stopping. So I, I, hope, I hope people can, can save up the funds or organizing the funds, whatever it takes to manage the funds and the travel. And uh, I, can, I can say, trust me, make it worth your while big time that's awesome i think that's a good way to go out so we hope you guys come back and join us and uh les thank you so much for taking time to be with us today my pleasure all right take care that's it everybody we'll see you next time stay safe